0: You're listening to Speaking of Racism, the podcast dedicated to frank, honest, and respectful discussions about race and racism in the U.S. I'm your host, Jen Kinney. Pull up a chair and let's talk. Special thanks to Grapes for the music. The song is I Don't Know, featuring Jay Lang. I'm joined today by my friend Cedric Lundy over at Token Confessions Podcast. How are you doing today, Cedric?
1: Doing all right. And you?
0: Yeah, you know, I'm doing all right. I'm naughty because I should be like packing and prepping to go on my vacation here in a few hours. But you know you're a podcaster when something hot comes along and you just have to get on and talk about it. All right. So Jesse Smollett, let's talk about this. I haven't talked to you about this. I haven't gotten any of your thoughts on it, but why don't we start at the beginning mm-hmm. and just talk about, um, how did you feel when he came out and, and when he shared his story initially? Did you feel like something was off? Did you feel like, you know, uh, he was telling the truth? What was, what was your take at the time?
1: So my take at the time was one, I was pretty, exhausted from the whole covington catholic school thing Mm -hmm. um and still pretty that still felt pretty raw which don't want to necessarily go down that bunny trail so there's a part of it where i was just willing to sit this one out for the time being um the story on the surface as he told it was really really disturbing and yet there was one thing that to me just didn't seem right or seemed a little off mm-hmm. and that was based upon the photos of him you know after he filed the report or after the alleged incident I, i'm i'm sitting there thinking you know he really doesn't look too worse for the wear given the story the details of the story he's told, especially the part about them throwing some kind of fluid, uh, you know, bleach in his face. I, I expected to see him a little bit more bruised and battered, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. But I'm also kind of of the mindset of I'll hold, uh, judgment, reserve judgment on, you know, whether or not he's telling the truth and kind of let the story play out
0: yeah yeah
1: but again that had a lot to do with just being kind of tired from the last Mm -hmm. bout if you will
0: yeah and i felt you know i felt similarly in terms of um just feeling pretty burned in a sense by how quickly i got sucked into the prevailing media narrative over the covington situation and we won't go down that trail like you were saying because that's big and complex and multi-layered. Yeah. Um and and so on one hand I was feeling like, hmm You know, I need to be more measured and more cautious with how I take in information and then how I respond to that information. So like you, I felt like, let's just wait and let's see where this goes. And yet at the same time, for me, as a white woman, I wanted to speak to and speak in support of what was going on. Like, I didn't want to be a quiet voice in it. And so I had found a friend on Instagram, uh, Black Coffee with white friends, and she had written a piece that kind of paralleled what was going on. It was like her homage to... Jesse and what he was going through, but what she told was her story as a black right. woman growing up and then how she feels about these ideas like make America great again and stuff like that. So I felt like this story has resonance. It's her story. I want to give platform to that, you know, and like, right. so I felt like that was kind of my way of navigating what could potentially become where we are right now. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so here we are right now in this situation where we see that he is being prosecuted or what do you know what's going on? Like in the most recent uh, scenario, have you followed that at all? Um,
1: So I just passed like headlines and nuggets of information of late. And the latest thing I see is that he posted a bail of $100,000, but that he requested to turn himself in on charges of filing a false police report, which I believe is a felony. Okay. Um, so that's, that's the latest information that I have. And, and as you're telling that story about, you know, having this friend who it ended up being a catalyst for them to share their own personal story, that reminds me a lot in the way when the whole Kavanaugh ordeal was going on and mm-hmm. the woman came forward, how all the stories that I was hearing was other women that I know personally sharing their stories, their personal stories about how they had been sexually assaulted or raped and their family members didn't even believe them let alone other people and how like this was the first time they were sharing some of that information since initially it happening to them and their parents not believing them. So, you know, I think there's something to be said for when something happens and we're still finding out the details and we're still finding out the the full story of what really transpired. I don't think it negates the very real instances of how the same or similar things has happened to other people and how those things are oftentimes unresolved. Um, So, like, when the whole Jesse's Smollett thing came out, like, as much as I stayed clear of it on social media for the most part, even though, I, you know, I liked some posts and other people, but I didn't comment. I actually texted um one of my friends who is gay and black just to see mm-hmm. how he was doing because I can relate to how stories like that or incidences like that can be you know it, it, it's it's heavy for for all of us right but it's mm-hmm. heavier for those for whom it's they can look at that and say that could have been me
0: yeah precisely and that's such a great point because for me the reality is as a white woman i can't relate on that level and so it i is. was trying to figure out how do i lend my support how do I lend my voice yeah I mean
1: I'll never forget how one of my middle school volunteers and a a young guy that I I mentored like literally showed up at my door uh to see how I was doing after Philando Castile happened wow yeah so that that to me was kind of like a a pay it forward kind of moment where it's like, okay, like, this is the kind of thing, like you, you can, you can extend that same gesture of, you know, solidarity even in something that you can't personally relate to where it communicates to that person that like you see them and you see all of them and you see how they're, uh, how, how they're distinct from you. Mm -hmm. They're still human, but they have little distinctions. Right. So, yeah. And, you know, it was it was like one of those moments where my my friend quite tangibly uh, acknowledged me being black and how that story was going to affect me more deeply than it was going to affect him, even though he was deeply affected.
0: Yeah, that is powerful. Yeah, it's just got me thinking because, you know, we live in this, this social media culture, right? Where Mm -hmm. so many people express themselves on social media. And one of the things that I've been trying to listen and learn about is how, like, how white voices can speak into this without centering themselves and making it about themselves. And, you know, oftentimes you'll see people who consider themselves allies and they'll go online and they'll make this huge stink and they'll bring up all of this stuff and have this overly emotional reaction. But would you say instead of something like that, for example, that it would be more meaningful to reach out privately even and say, yeah. I'm here thinking about you. What do you think about that?
1: I, I don't I don't think it's necessarily a either or. I think it's a both and. I think mm-hmm. and lend your your voice on social media where it's gonna have more range, but I think when you're cognizant too of the people in your own community and your own world and and relationships that you have to be, you know, have a a high emotional IQ with them. uh, I I think it just kind of lends a little bit more uh, genuineness to the, the overtures that are made on social media than, you know, the people who know you personally can vouch. They're not just speaking about it. Like they're living it. Mm
0: Yeah. So let's talk about what's going on right now. So I it occurred to me a couple of days ago, like I had this sneaking suspicion that this was going to unfold this way. And initially, I just thought to myself, like, I am going to be so pissed if this is the case, because it's just fodder for people who are out there, people like Ben Shapiro and others, Uh these these commentators who who are setting themselves up against the anti-racism movement, you know, and yes. saying that people in anti-racism are making a bigger deal out of things. And we're, we're already dealing with this issue of people not even being believed in their own stories, right? I'm kind of frustrated and lamenting about this. And then mm-hmm. it occurred to me a couple of days ago, like, hang on a minute. Wait just a second. All of the people who are demanding in essence that we speak out against Jesse Smollett are people who are not actually interested in anti-racism work. And I feel like it's a distraction tactic in a sense from the right at this point, it seems to, you know, to, to focus on this. So what are your thoughts on this?
1: Funny you should ask. Um, (laughs) So even when I was like, you know what? I think this dude is lying. Mm -hmm. You know what? What, what caused me to hold reservation on being like, I don't think he's telling the truth. The What's track that? record of the Chicago Police Department. Right. This is a police department that got investigated and got a skating review by the Justice Department just a few years ago. You guys talked about it on your pod, which was a great episode on Laquan McDonald. Yeah. So, like, listeners, if you haven't listened to that episode, like, go listen to it. Um, But then also, uh, this is the same police department that just two weeks ago, there's a story about how 10 men who had been in prison, incarcerated, were exonerated because of an ongoing investigation into a sergeant from the Chicago PD who had Mm. been putting bogus charges on people and got people into, into prison for it. His mm-hmm. his count of people who unjustly went to jail on bogus trumped up charges is like over two dozen with over two dozen more waiting in the wings for their day in court to be exonerated. And some of these mm-hmm. men spent years in prison. They're not getting those years back. But how much was that being talked about and how much... Is that being brought into this this overarching conversation? Because, and I want to be careful because I just I just did an episode recently, Sanchez and I, on whataboutisms, and so I'm conscious of about how this sounds like a whataboutism. That being said, we 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 have a, a situation where, if we're talking about tactics here, what's happened is there's this complete silence. During all the stuff that has just happened in this month alone mm-hmm. between the government of Virginia, I mean, pick one, anyone, right? <laughs> with all yeah. the blackface incidences, Gucci, Katy Perry with their blackface gear, right? The Mm -hmm. incidences in schools of an 11-year-old being arrested Mm -hmm. for refusing to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance, which I'm like, you do realize that we had a Supreme Court ruling on this back in the 40s with Jehovah Witnesses. That protects this young man's, regardless of his reason, it still protects his right to choose to not stand for the Pledge of Allegiance in school. And it's one thing to discipline a kid, but to call the resource officer, to Mm. have the 11 year old arrested, on top of the fact that the resource officer basically abused his power to go ahead and arrest this 11 year old to make an example. That's That's just one story of what's happened this February, right? Like, I don't even have time to list all of the incidences that have happened, right? Where we have clear examples of yet again what's been going on since last year of people calling the police on Black people for doing normal, average, everyday stuff in white spaces. So if we're going play this game, which I have no interest in doing, but if we're going to play this game where we're tallying a scorecard, we can finally put one in the box of somebody making a bogus claim. Because right now, if we're keeping score, which again I have no interest in doing, a number of instances of these microaggressions of people calling the police on Black people for going to their communities community pool for waiting for their meeting in starbucks for uh going into their own apartment building
0: right for taking a photo for your one-year-old's birthday
1: right in a in a public park Mm -hmm. right and how many of those people have been brought up on charges for calling the police in a situation that did not merit police. Yeah,
0: I'm
1: not sure. I know it's not the same, right? As in terms of the high profileness, but if there is some kind of rule or law that's meant to keep people from abusing, calling in the police for any old situation, then how many of these people have actually had charges brought against them and at least had to pay a
0: fine right that's the question and and i you know even if there are some it's still like it's interesting because ben shapiro i went on you know to see what people are talking about and stuff and he's Mm -hmm. talking about and how nobody pays attention to the rise in anti-semitism and i'm sitting here reading this and this guy has this huge media conglomerate you know that he owns and he's got tons and tons of people listening to him and yeah, following yeah, him yeah. and my thought is well ben shapiro if you're so troubled by the rise in anti-semitism why don't you lend your voice to that because right. who's going around saying oh well you're talking about this but what about this which points to your what about isms you know there's right. something to be said about people being in their space and speaking to yeah. the things that they speak to. Right. Like we can't right. all speak to all things. Right. And, and, um, and, and I just I, find that disingenuous.
1: Oh, it's absolutely disingenuous, especially with the reach of his network. And, and, and th- th- that's the thing. Like when I see media complaining about the media, I want to throw up in my mouth.
0: Right. <laughs> like, Dude what what
1: industry do you think it is that you work in like that's how prevailing this whole anti-media thing has gotten that you can have the media complaining about media heck i see it in sports journalism these days complaining about the media and it's like all of a sudden they have this comment about where oh yeah you know we're the media but it's like well wait a second if you want a different narrative like you have the perfect platform to put it out there. So, yeah, Ben Shapiro, like, number one, like, people are aware of the growing anti-Semitism, but it's hard for people to take it seriously when we couch it in racism, right? Because right. at the end of the day, we couch it in racism, then they have to also acknowledge the racism against Black people, and ultimately, they have to deal with uh, white supremacy and anti-Semitism the veil right of addressing right. racism without actually having to address white supremacy because in America folks who are Jewish are identified as white. And so it's a wow. lot more- to address it. Whereas those, there are those of us who actually truly are trying to work in the field of anti-racism. So we're not just picking and choosing between when it happens to someone who's black, when it happens to someone who's Jewish, when it happens to someone who is Latino X or, or, or Hispanic, like we're here for all of it.
0: Mm. Yeah, that is really powerful. So I started posting after I got to this point where I'm like, wait a second here. I'm thinking about this more. We're spending all of our time and energy. And I see a lot of friends of color, black friends in particular, who feel like they have to speak out against Jussie Smollett. And it makes me angry. And I shared this with a friend of mine. I was like, you know, I'm mad that you feel like you have to come out and speak on behalf of this man. Because when all is said and done, I don't feel compelled as a white woman to speak out against another white woman who has done something illegal. You know, like if Bette Midler did something illegal or if, you know, like, I, I'm not like, oh, well, I have to speak out against Bette Midler. Nobody expects me to. So where does the expectation come from that says that as a person of color, particularly mm-hmm. black men, you should speak out against this? It comes from white supremacy. It comes right. from and its root is racism, right? hmm.
1: Yeah, because that's the thing that really ticks me off about this whole Jesse Smollett thing it's like dude you have you have literally ruined Black History Month because your narrative right? is going to be a railing narrative of Black History mm. Month of 2019 like Cardi B apparently which I do not follow at all but somebody reposted it Cardi B is posted on Twitter thanks Jesse, for effing up Black History Month
0: yeah that's funny <laughs> Like,
1: because we knew what would happen. We knew that this would not be treated as an isolated incident, right? Which right. that's the thing, right? If, let's say what he told was true. Let's let's imagine for a second, we know it didn't happen. Like, he lied. But let's say for a sec- second, hypothetically, it actually happened the way he told it. Mm-hmm. We have enough incidences already to know, or with at least confidence, know that what would have been said in response to it, when the whole, see, the the ethos and the environment and the toxicness of this whole MAGA thing, they've been like, well, hey, don't throw all of us, you know, under the bus. That's isolated. Those are those two individuals. I'm not all about that. But yes, I I, I have MAGA, you know, uh, attire. And I, you know, that slogan resonates with me of Make America Great. Like, they, they would insist on not uh, throwing, painting everybody with the same brush just because of these two individuals. And yet right. those same people, right, when it's this, turn around and say, see, yup, all of it's fake. All right. of its discontinuous. this is what these folks are like mhm and
0: and yeah. this is the irony this is the irony yeah. if people are listening to this who are remotely curious because obviously we're going to put this out there and And those who are curious will probably listen in. But if you're listening in and you're thinking that, the irony here is the right narrative is, oh, look, see, the left just picked this up and ran with it because it's part of their narrative. And the irony to me is now it's the right picking this up and running with it because it's their narrative. Right. And so it's Mm -hmm. like irony of ironies, guys. Does anybody see this? Like, it's ridiculous to me. So I had, I had put a meme out that said, it says something when your outrage over a man lying is greater than your outrage over hate crimes. And so this is kind of where I came to because I started getting DMs as soon as the, the case started falling apart. And it's interesting because mm-hmm. I only posted one thing and it was that story that I told you about earlier, but right. people remembered it apparently. And these are people who don't even comment or like on my page, but I know they do, you know, keep up on it. Yeah. And I got. DM'd by a couple of people saying yeah I guess you can make this stuff up and so on and so forth and and I'm like yeah you can it's true no, but no not you can he can right Exactly. Right. That's a good point. But it was interesting because today when I got on Instagram, because I've got quite a, a following building up and so on and so forth, I got lambasted by somebody who was saying that she was very disappointed that instead of commenting on it and having this conversation that, you know, I'm coming out with this statement the way that I'm saying it. And I understand where she's coming from because it seems like she's very early in this stage of, of even looking into racism. So the white fragility is so thick that it's like, you know, she's angry (laughs) and she's saying offensive things and she's being judgmental. It was interesting because, you know, it's like I, I wanted and that's part of the reason I jumped on here with you is like I wanted to explore and discuss that idea that this burden that's being put on people to address this individual For an individual act is, in essence, a form of this racism, this structure of racism, this this environment of racism and so on and so forth. And the thing that I said to her was because she actually referred to him as uh, committing a hate crime. And I'm like, look, I'm sorry, but he didn't commit a hate crime. He lied to the police, apparently. And even then, we don't know yet. So I'm still reserving my final judgment and all of that. But he didn't commit a hate crime anymore that somebody who goes into a police station and and falsely accuses somebody of rape committed rape. Right. You know, so it's like. This idea that the responsibility for for even and I was thinking about assault a lot, you know, it's like, well, you dressed that way and that's why you're assaulted. You know, like it's just this wrong thinking and wrong way of looking at things.
1: Right. But but you you've been reading White Fragility. And so I'm sure you've gotten to some of the stuff that she puts forward about how White Fragility has picked up this narrative that white people are uh, racism has been more of a issue uh a thing experienced by white people in recent years and it has for people of color and mm-hmm. so anything that they can then pick up to fit that narrative then you know forget the fact that they can't even have a conversation about what qualifies as a hate crime right when there's all these different examples and the burden of proof for a hate crime has been centered around this idea of intent, right. so when a police officer kills an unarmed black man, all they have to say is, "Oh, I feared for my life, oh, yeah, right,
0: yeah, so. so
1: forget the fact that Jesse is saying, "Well, <laughs> you know what i uh Wasn't happy with my role on the show, wasn't happy with my salary on the show. So I can concocted this crazy incident to try to, you know, get the sympathy of not only the public, but the studio and use that as some kind of bargaining chip at the negotiating table.
0: Moving forward, you know, like how should people approach this and and talk about this?
1: I, I've, I've found for me the best way to think about this is this is something that he is solely responsible for.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: This isn't about a certain demographic of people. This is about a young man who did something abhorrently selfish and he is the only person who is responsible for what happened. People who had the, I don't know, empathy to believe him or take him at his word, Mm -hmm. they're not responsible for answering for his lies and deception. If anything, those people are owed the biggest apology because they are the ones who went to bat for him. But those of us who were either suspicious of him or didn't believe him in the first place, then like, you know what, move on. Yeah. Because trying to use it to score points, like what's, what's your aim is your aim to uh, make a point. Score point or actually resolve things. Cause again, and I think this is where the disconnect is. And I, I don't know if you feel the same way. Because we have the, this, this environment where it's like two teams going to war, going against battle, going to battle against each other. I feel like sometimes by some people, not all. But some people feel like some of the stuff that I'm doing in the work of anti-racism is just me trying to score points for my team. Mm. When in reality, it's not that at all. We're not we're not on some team where we're trying to score points and get the victory over some other team. Right. Like We're on team human being. That's the team we're
0: on. I love that team human being. Amen to that. So, Cedric lundy of token confessions podcast you guys can find him on itunes and a number of other platforms as well so give them a listen and subscribe thank you so much for coming on and doing this with me i love it that i can text you and you're available so um thanks for coming on the show
1: absolutely thanks for for hollering at me